Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Today's show is brought to you by the secrets of successful syndication. This two-day workshop will unlock the keys to the kingdom in terms of how to take your investing career to the next level. Almost all professional developers use syndication to scale their business. When I talk with deal sponsors, I hear over and over again that access to capital is the number one thing holding them back. It's going to be held on September 25th and 26th, two full days of amazing content. This event is put on by my good friends at the Real Estate Guys radio show. I've been to events all over the world, and I have to tell you that this event is among the very best in the world. Of course, it's being held virtually. We're still in the pandemic environment. To learn more, go to victorjm.com slash events. That's victorjm.com slash events. We are back. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the show, Jonathan Tuttle. Thank you so much. Excited to be here. Thank you uh, for having me on. Great to have you here, Jonathan. Now, you've been at this game a little while, and you specialize in an asset class that I think a lot of people find interesting but don't know how to actually pursue, and that's mobile home parks. Now, before we get into that, how did you get to this point in your journey? What's your backstory? Yeah, uh, well, I was fortunate enough, my dad was a, a general contractor developer. So even as a little kid, I would be on the job sites as little as like five years old. He'd flip houses, so I could follow him while he's flipping the houses, and then during this is during the 80s. He'd also had three real estate offices. So I'd always be like basically going to the real estate office and just really seeing how, you know, how it helps people's lives and also the, you know, the opportunity that they became being involved with real estate. And then eventually he got in the space, the manufacturing mobile home space around 2005. And that's when I started really getting interested in getting, you know, getting real estate myself. Um, that's kind of like the backstory to it. And then we saw like during 2005 to 10, when every other real estate class was not doing very well, that was the only of our, of our real estate portfolio, the only one that performed really well. So that's what got me full force into it <laughs> in the 2010s. I love it. I love it. Now, of course, mobile homes have come a long way since the 1980s when they were really quite poor quality. Today, Clayton Homes and so many of the other major manufacturers are delivering a very high quality product. How much of the parks that you purchase, or how much of them are kind of those older legacy product versus the newer, more state-of-the-art product? Yeah, you make a very good point. The Clayton Homes, the like the homes quality has gotten tremendously better. If anybody ever goes to, there's an annual show with the home manufacturers every January. It's, it's called the Louisville uh, Manufacturer uh, Show. And basically, the hosts are incredible now. Like, like you said, the Clayton Homes, most of our product and most of the inventory, because a lot of these, there's only been about 10 based on the data, there have only been about 10 new parks developed in the last 20 years. So a lot of the, the parks, uh, it's not institutional quality and not super expensive for the regular mom pop or smaller operator. It's going to have the 60s, 70s, and 80s homes. And then you bring in some of the newer products and the newer products will have the pitch roofs. Um, and they do cost money. The newer houses do cost money. So if you're a small investor, then one of the best avenues is just to find used homes and remodel those and keep them in the park. And that's usually your best angle. But the new home quality is inc- incredible. Very incredible. And some of the new double wides are up, you know, $100,000, especially the Clayton Homes. So if you imagine if you have 20 empty lots, you're basically developing a subdivision right there with that, you know, putting, bringing those in and hooking everything up. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is your play? Is it, I mean, you're, it sounds like you're not developing new parks because there haven't been that many developed. In fact, I developed one in the past 24 months. Uh, so I might be one of the 10, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's interesting to see how different people approach this business. There are some parks that are quite small, 
10, 20 spots, some quite large ones that are in the hundreds. What's your focus? Yeah, great question. And I, I want to talk to you afterwards how you got the, uh, the approval because it's, it's very rare. But uh, obviously, every state has different laws. But our, fo- our focal point is 75 to 250 units. So we're staying under the institutional product but still where you could bring in management and operational efficiencies. Uh, but if you're like a smaller operator or just a smaller real estate investor, some of these smaller parks is a good, as long as it's close proximity and scale of economics, from, you know, two or three hours from your house, it could be a great opportunity just to get involved starting smaller. But for us, uh, 75 to 250, just because of, you know, economies of scale, you could bring in management. It's actually just as easy, if not easier to run a bigger park and have, because you have the cash flow to support all the, you know, the capex. Plus you can have really efficient, Uh, management systems as well. Yeah, we find that as well, that it's very difficult to make some of the smaller parks work. The economies of scale aren't there. Uh, They only work if they're really owner-operated, and then it's not an investment any longer. That's called a job. Yep. And already got one of those, uh, or maybe five. So uh, no one's out there looking for a job. They're looking for an investment, and that's the same for us as well. So when you're acquiring these assets, are you acquiring performing assets? Are you acquiring assets that are somewhat distressed and looking to do a value add play? What's what's the focus? Yeah, great question. Uh, there's, you know, as you know, it's pretty sparse out there. It's a lot of industry relationships that, you know, fine deal flow, a lot of broker relationships because it's getting so competitive. Everyone's trying to get this, you know, the most stabilized property. We're ideally looking just because we're not looking to do like a lot of value add. Uh, we'll, mostly stabilized without a lot of infill. Obviously, it's the dream, <laughs> the base of the dream uh, park acquisition, but we want to find stuff that's more, and our focal point is more stabilized to begin with, and we're not looking for a 35 40% turnaround park. But there's, if your boot's in the ground and you have the capital to do it and you could have a good management and leasing team and good marketing, that's where you're going to make the you know the most value add. But our value add, I guess, without being like a true version of value add, it's really operational efficiencies, uh, Having the great, you know, good park management. Looking at the the rent rolls compared to other competitive parks, bringing, you know, just a better, you know, better neighborhood, better park for everyone else, and accordingly, you know, raise the rents to to match that within, you know, fair reason. Uh, and then look for any places where the you know, money could be leaking that could be, you know, could be water, uh, sewage systems, things of that nature. Just really identifying places where we could save on the, you know, overall expenses as well. Absolutely. So what is the main source of your deal flow? Would you say then if if these parks are operating reasonably well, is it tired owner syndrome that's putting these properties on the market? Or is there some other trigger that's putting these properties on the market? It's a culmination of everything because, you know, there isn't a lot of inventory. If you talk to some of these mom pops or second or third generation owners, that's they're getting hit with more mailers, more phone calls, more cold calls than they've ever gotten hit. <laughs> so they're getting a lot of free dinners and free uh basically people checking on, taking them out to dinner and try to build that relationship to get them to sell the deal off market because that's where the real value add is if you could buy it without a broker. But brokers are obviously probably the biggest pipeline. And then there's always each broker has a specific area or a specific niche they focus on. So build the relationship with the brokers because they usually only want to deal with deals with people they know, like, and trust. And if you're a strong buyer and you look at it and you can underwrite it really quick and you can put a strong offer, you know, back out, you'll get a lot of deal flow from brokers and then pick a small area where you can try to focus on and build a relationship. But yeah, the owners, it's, they have their pickings of who they want to sell to. So it's just really that relationship building. Got it. Now, of course, lot rents vary quite widely across the nation. I've seen lot rents as low as 200 a month. I've seen them up in north of 700 to a thousand. Mm-hmm. Where are you focusing? 
Ours, yeah, you're exactly right. It's like some of the West Coast, it's insane when I see some of these <laughs> rent rolls, like Oregon, Portland, uh, California, with like, you know, like you said, around $1,000. We're in the two to 300 range, basically. That's we're actually 300. We had parks, our initial family parks, we started 200, now they're at 300. And we're products we're looking for in the three to 400 range. And then just depends on the market, but we're mostly Midwest and some of the acquisition we're going to be focused on next year is going to be Texas as well. And Texas is a little stronger market. I think the rents are like five to 600 currently, if not a little bit more. I love it. I love it. Let's talk a little bit about cap rate. One of the allures for mobile home parks is that the cap rate is generally fairly high. That is, of course, assuming that your expenses are under control and you don't need a huge amount of capital expenditure to maintain the park. What's your target in your financial model? Yeah, if you've seen the cap rates in the last 10 years, it's, it's definitely gotten compressed because you're seeing, especially now with all the institutional and private equity money coming in, fortunately for us, we still have a good, I personally think like four or five year run before it starts getting really compressed and consolidated. But I mean, 10 years ago, like every, you'd always want a 10 cap. That was like the normal, depending on market, obviously. But uh, we're focused, we're like seven, seven and a half, maybe eight. If we get like, depending on the market and six and a half is about as low as we go. And that'd have to be like a premium top quality product. But it's with everyone trying to get in our ass, like last night, everyone, but we're seeing a lot of people uh, switching over, especially with, you know, the COVID situation. You're seeing people that now hear about these great cap rates and this huge need and not a lot of supply. It's really enticing a lot of people that were in operators in other spaces and other niches. So it's bringing our rate returns down. Got it. Got it. Well, yeah, I mean, a six and a half, seven percent cap rate, those are cap rates that are comparable to um, a B-class apartment building Yep. in most major metros. So, and, and it's not as high quality a product as an yep. apartment building. So that is definitely cap rate compression. Very interesting. So Jonathan, if folks want to connect, if they want to learn more, what's the best way? Yeah. Uh, you can go to our website. It's called Midwest Park Capital Fund, just like it sounds. Uh, or Jonathan Tuttle official on Facebook and, and Instagram. That's the easiest way to get hold of me. Fantastic. Well, Jonathan, thanks for sharing the perspective on mobile home parks. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Jonathan at MidwestParkCapitalFund.com. In the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. You'll make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.